Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Psalm 119. And we've been looking at Engage, Connect. We haven't gotten to serve yet. Let's see if we've learned it. We engage God in worship, and we engage the lost in evangelism. So everything in our church technically could connect to that. But as, as teams plan things and as they get things organized, I, I want teams to focus on this engage, connect, serve. Last week, we looked at connecting around God's word, talked about the reality of God's word, that it is uh, God's word. It is without error. It is divinely inspired, written by men who were directed uh, by the Holy Spirit to write that word. So we're going to follow up on that this morning with what I would call staying on course. And I wrote this series several years ago, maybe 2013, uh, when I was in a doctorate program at Lincoln. Part of it was we had to uh, demonstrate the ability to uh, plan sermons and craft them in such a way as it actually benefits the church. So we're going to look at Psalm 119. Uh, Psalm 119, first of all, is one of the longest psalms in the five books. Remember, there's five books in the book of Psalms. So 176 verses. And it, it could take a little while to read it. Um, it focuses basically on the law of God. But the psalmist here, and I believe he's unknown, some say King David wrote it. I, I think it's best to leave it unknown. But the psalmist is wholeheartedly devoted to Yahweh, Yodehaveh, is what they, the Israelites would call Yahweh. There's this intense, this intense dedication to the word. And the psalmist lets it go out and just all over the place. Uh, that he is fully committed to the law of God, and or we could say to the Torah, to the, to the Bible, but he is fully committed. And it should give us pause to ask ourselves the question, how committed are we to the word of God? And do, is, does it become the standard by which we live our lives? Is it the guiding force? And we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But uh, it's an acrostic, and an acrostic would be uh, A, B, C, D, and back around. But in, in this case, it's 22 sections, uh, each one representing one letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And each of these 22 sections have exactly eight verses. So you have, uh, you have the whole alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, outlined in which the psalmist just thought about God and he just exploded. It's, it's quite awesome. It's the longest acrostic in the Bible. Um, to give you uh, just a, you'll see here, if you have the Pew Bible, you'll, you'll see Aleph, you'll see Bait, which in your language it says Beth, but that's actually Bait. Uh, in your Bible it says Dalit, but it's actually Dalit. And then he is hey, and so forth and so on as the, as the Hebrew alphabet goes along. This was um, 
continuing here, it was read at the Feast of Pentecost. They would read it completely through. It was sung, it was not sung, but it was, uh, it was read during the Spring Festival, which celebrates the delivery of the nation from Egypt, and it was celebrated 50 days after Passover. So in the Jewish mind, there was a lot of, there was a lot of rigid systems in, in, in which this psalm was read. So it's a very significant psalm, and it pulls the nation back to God's word and his law. Like I said, some say that uh, King David wrote this. I, in my personal opinion, it's probably best to go with the majority of the scholars and say that it's unknown, but the fact that it made it into the canon, it did pass uh, the test as they were assembling the Old Testament. So, and I would encourage you later today, maybe go home and read the entire uh, Psalm 119. It's very uh, powerful. And, 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 and again, you can, you can sense the intensity of the psalmist as he writes this. Quite, quite amazing. The first thing we want to look at this morning um, is that God's word keeps us from straying. God's word keeps us from straying. And so when we get in our small groups, when we get in uh, in our social clubs, things that we're doing in the, in the church, one thing that we can do is we can bring people, connect people together around God's word. These are two primary reasons. Uh, to connect people around God's word so that they will grow spiritually, but also not only spiritually, but in fellowship with one another. We'll expand on this next week. But uh, one thing we can do in every event is we can read the Bible. And we can have some type of small Bible study, uh, maybe a reference to the Word of God that will help us as we do our ministries here. Now, the goal is stated by the psalmist. He writes, How can a young man keep his way pure? Not owl, not owl is the word, and it has three possible meanings. Uh, It can mean boy, it can mean teenager, and it can also mean servant. But in this case, given given the the specific way in which the author put this, it's best to talk about teenagers. That's at the basic level, at the, what I call the, the foundational level. Secondary level, we could ask the question, how do we keep our way pure? Now, for you young people that are here today, the Bible will be your guide, and you need to be in it so that when your friends and uh, when you're tempted to do these types of things, you have the Word of God, and young ladies, you read the Bible, and you'll be able to know which way to go because there is a direction here in which the author is taking it. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Zaha. Zaha, it's a pile stem, and there's different stems, and these stems actually nuance the word a little bit to where it takes on different meanings. The pile stem carries the idea of clean or morally clean. So how can a young man, a teenager, keep his or her way pure, clean, in the sense of moral cleaning? We live in a culture. We live in a culture that is dark. 
I mean, it's, it's getting bad every day. And so, and with, with the advent of the cell phone, the advent of TikTok, which hopefully is going to be banned here before long, um, all of these outlets, these media outlets, are bombarding our kids, and it becomes more and more difficult for them to stay focused on the Word of God. And so it, it's probably more than any time that I've been alive, uh, the youth need to go back to the Bible, and so do we. And we need to protect our kids and our, and our grandkids. Uh, how can a young man keep his way pure is a typical question in Hebrew literature. Let me give you a couple of others just from Psalm. Psalm 25, 12. Who is the man who fears the Lord? In him he will instruct the way that he chooses. So the beginning of wisdom is the beginning of fear, if you will. Uh, the, the fear of God acts as an instructive tool to guide us on our way. Psalm 34, 13 and 15. What is a man who desires, uh, desires life and, and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Uh, questions actually given to, as you read it, and you read these questions, you can apply them to your life and to mine. And it, 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 Jesus used questions in his teaching ministry. So uh, the author here is using a question to say, okay, I want you to, I want you to think about this. I want you to ponder this. I, I, I want you to consider this something that is very, very important. How can a young man or us keep our way pure. I think it's good. Um, these are minors. Uh, minors go deep into these, I guess, shafts is what you call them, and, and, and they spend hours underground. I remember my, uh, my grandfather Porter was a miner in West Virginia, and uh, I've seen pictures of him as as he came out of the shaft, he was filthy, he was dirty. Uh, actually, when my grandfather was in his mid-40s, the doctor told him he had black lung. Uh, do what you can, because in the next uh, not many years, you're, you're going to pass. Well, my grandfather and grandmother moved to Florida, and he lived to be 85 or 86 years old. So... Science doesn't always have the answer, but the point here is that these miners get dirty. And sometimes in our lives, we get dirty. We go places where we shouldn't go, and we stay where we shouldn't stay, and we get, we get dirty. And sometimes we need, to, we need to come back up to the light of day and say, wait a minute, Lord, um, I want you to take this from me. I don't want this in my life. I want to get rid of this. I want to be holy and pure. And so we tend to think maybe, well, this is, Pastor Mike, this is just an Old Testament concept. Not really. Second <laughs> um, Corinthians 7.1, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body, the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Uh, some, sometimes the outward sins are just the tip of the problem. We need to go deeper with God, and that's what the psalmist wants here. He wants us to go deeper with God and say, wait a minute, I want to give my whole person 
to following God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my strength. And it just explodes here. Now, the big question is, that's the, if, if you would say that's, that's the goal here, is to reach a sense of purity before God. So that leads, leads to a second thought here. The means, how do we do this? And quite simply, by guarding it according to your word. By guarding it according to your word. Guarding. Shamal has 14 different meanings in the Hebrew. I will not bore you with the, all of them, but some of them means to set aside. Guarding it means to set aside, not, not the case here, to be secure, to obey a command with diligence and in detail, like in Leviticus 19.30, or to pay careful attention to guard yourself. So here, the way the psalmist sees this is that he is guarding the words, he is guarding these words, and he's keeping his way pure by using the word of God. By using this word, he is able then to keep his way pure so that he can have a deeper relationship with him. Let me ask you a question. How much, how much time do you spend weekly reading the Bible? It's a good, that's a good question. And when I say reading the Bible, you can actually, uh, you can have a CD. I've got the Bible on CD up there. You can put it in your car and, you know, as you're driving to and from, you can listen to the Bible. What goes in will eventually come out. And so we, we need to guard our way on that as well. So he says, I guard it according to your word. One of the things I like about the program that I had, that I had to get when I was at uh, the doctorate program, is, is I have access to the ancient church fathers. And this is what uh, Augustine of Hippo said, but in this place of keeping the word of God must be understood as obeying his commandments indeed. For they are kept in memory in vain if they are not kept in life also. So it's not just, James would say it this way, it's not only hearing the word, but being doers of the word as well. So it's not just merely hearing the word of God and saying, oh yeah, that's nice, but I'm still going to do it my way. And that's how we get off track. When we hear the word of God and God speaks to us, we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to try to live this out in my life so that I can keep my way holy before you. The, the New Testament talks about be holy for I am holy, Peter says. So the, the goal of the Christian life is to seek purity and holiness and as we seek purity and holiness, our way becomes clear. Um, sometimes it's good to get away it's good to get away and take 20 minutes or 30 minutes out of your day and just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to sit down. Psalm 119 is a great place to start because it really does realign you. 
you can just start. He starts it out here in, in verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the Lord. Uh, again, the psalmist is saying, look, there is a path. There is a path, and the way to that path comes through engaging God in his scripture and through holiness of living. So it doesn't surprise me when we have problems in our lives and we make bad decisions and we make bad choices, it's possible that we make those choices because we're not focused on the word of God, we're not talking to God about these choices, and, you know, that's, there's always forgiveness. You can always ask for forgiveness, and you can get back on the path. But sometimes just doing things God's way and the way he wants them done is actually better for us. God doesn't want to rob us of our joy. He wants to increase our joy as we get to know him more and more. So getting to back to the word, I think, is, is primary. And, it, you know, it's, it's good to have events, but, again, I mean, you could put the word of God at, at any event and make it fit within our uh, parameters. So it is, it is important. Ground it in your heart. Ground it in your heart. With my whole heart, I seek you. There it is. There it is. With my whole heart, I seek you. Again, you just get the sense that the writer here is so in love with God that he says, I'm not giving myself 50%. I'm not giving myself 70%. I'm not giving myself 80%. I am giving myself 100% to God. Whole is the word for coal, and it means all or completely. Psalm 119.91, Psalm 119.128 carries the same idea that he is giving himself completely. This word heart, with my whole heart, my whole heart. Lave. We have the same word in Greek, carries the same exact idea, is cardia, which is the heart. And here the writer uses the word lave. It's, it's the same exact word as it came filtered over into the New Testament. It can mean the pumping of blood through an organ. It can mean the chest area. But here, lave, and that's the word right there, lave on top, mind, soul, spirit, or self, the source of life of the inner person in various aspects, with a focus on feelings, thoughts, volition, and other areas of life. People think that the New Testament didn't, or the Old Testament didn't deal with the heart, but it did. we think about the commandments of God, you should not do this, you should not do that, but ultimately, the Old Testament still dealt with the heart. It was still a heart issue. God brought this to my mind 
this week as I was putting this together that all of our thoughts, all of our emotion, all of our feeling, everything that we are as a person needs to be surrendered to God. So our thoughts would be focused on God. And I think it would change the way that we live our lives. I think it would radically change. If, if we have decisions come before us, we think about God, and, and eventually those, those decisions will be nope or yep. That's the best thing to do. But ultimately, everything within us, the, the psalmist is opening up the heart. It's not the pumping of blood through an organ, and it's not the chest area. This is a focus on the heart, the mind, the soul, and the spirit, the source of the thoughts and feelings and volitions of the inner life. And when we think about this, we've got to ask the question, am I there? And again, the world has a great way of pulling us, keeping us from God's word. I don't have time today. I'll do it tomorrow. It's been my understanding. Whenever I say I'll do it tomorrow, it, it never comes. It doesn't happen. I want us to realize that we're put here on this earth at this time to not only worship him and to praise him and to live for him, but also to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. And so it means we're going to have to, we're going to have to recommit if, if you're not. Many of you, I know, you read it every day. Some of it, a lot more than I do. But you, and that's the one good thing about being a pastor, you have to get in the Bible, so... Uh, it makes it a little easier for me to stand up here and preach this stuff because I'm in the Bible a lot. But I also know that because of that, I'm not like I was 40 years ago. When I first started my Christian journey, I knew that. I knew that Jesus Christ loved me. He died for me. Beyond that, I didn't know anything. But as I grew deeper with him and got closer to him, I started understanding the significance of it. And it's kind of a good thing since I'm a pastor. I don't do it perfectly. Don't, I don't want you to get that idea. I do not do it perfectly. But I have seen it in my own life how this and the Holy Spirit can transform a life. And then you look back and you go, whoa. Several years ago, I sat down. It was a Monday. I like to, I guess the word today is decompress. And I watched an old movie that I thought was so funny back in the day. Ten minutes in, I cut it off. But back in the day when I was a new Christian, I was laughing with it. I didn't know as much. But as soon as I saw it, I was like... <gasps> Whoa, i got to cut this off. The Bible should be central. Not only to the life of the church and the preaching of the word, but also in your life and mine. It should be central. Here's what it comes down to. And again, 
this verse. I get a lot of impressions as I'm writing sermons, and then I filter out what I think's not good or good for the sermon at the time, and I've come to trust that to be God directing me. That's the way I do it. If I'm wrong, he'll tell me, but uh, I think this verse, I think this verse really nails down the issue. This verse, more than any verse, nails down the issue. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is what the psalmist is saying here. What If you focus on God and you love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, that's where your treasure is, your heart will follow. But if our treasure is in the world where it can be destroyed, where it will never satisfy, then we focus there and there is our heart. God knows the difference. He does. We can, we can look like our heart's there, but God knows the truth. And so I really think it, it really does. This, this verse is the epitome of the sermon. For where your treasure is, your heart will be right there. Is it on the things of God? It'll be there, and it'll show in your life. I've, I've seen Christians, and I'm like, wow. They've spent time with God. So where's your treasure this morning? Because wherever you think you're spending your time at, your heart's going to be there. It doesn't mean we can't have fun. It doesn't mean we don't engage with people. It doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean that there needs to be a, a compass reading in our hearts where we are focused on God and his word. Let me not wonder from your commandments. Let me not wonder, verse 10, let me not wonder from your commandments. Shaga. And this is a hephile stem. And in this case, it refers to sheep who wander off. Let's, let's face it, sheep aren't too smart, right? And that the Bible calls us sheep. We're prone to wonder. Um, and this also has the idea of providing direction. So the psalmist is asking here, Lord, do not let me wander away from your path. Don't let me get away from your commandments. There's two paths. And sometimes we take the wrong path. This was back in 2018. Wait a minute. See, that's what happens when you get a little older. 2018, 2019, it was before the pandemic. Um, Tim Benton and I packed up our stuff. We had 50 pounds each on our back. We way overloaded for this trip. It was over at Forest Glen Preserve, which now I refer to as Little Korea. 
Um, we got to the park at noon. We were supposed to be at the campsite by four. Seemed pretty easy, right? Four hours. Looked easy. <laughs> by, by the way, Tim lost three toenails on this journey. So the first part, and Tim's probably watching and probably laughing about this because he remembers it quite well. Um, we started out and the trail was perfectly marked. Follow the red dot. And we got to this fork in the road and we didn't see a sign. So Tim and I, through our great wisdom, we decided it had to be the left trail. We got a half a mile into the trail and it said primitive path. And we go, this probably isn't it. So we made the half mile trek back. We got on the other trail and things were going along good for about a mile and a half. And all of a sudden, Tim, do you see the red dot? <laughs> I don't see it. So we crossed a creek and we got on our hands and knees and we crawled up the side of a hill. Now, it, it's all comical when I tell you all of this. Um, we were lost. And I'm going to tell you, I was sore. Now it was 5 o'clock. And we were nowhere near the campsite. Finally, Tim and I realized that we should have been on the second trail. And we, and then we got into this area where there was mud up to here. And we're like, every step, it's now 7 o'clock. So this little trip, because we weren't really watching that we were trying to watch the trail, but the trail was so tricky. Finally, and you know, Tim's, Tim's older than I am. He's carrying 50 pounds on his back. I'm tired. And we get to this place, and I said, Tim, we've got to get up there. Tim dropped his pack. I went up the side of that hill. I don't know. I don't know what degree it was. I just know I was really sore. When I got up there, I dropped my pack. I went back down and got Tim's pack and loaded it up to the top. We are still nowhere near the camp. This is the funny part. It wasn't funny at the time. Tim and I were so tired. I think it was like 7.30. It was just starting to... This was during, it was in April, but at some point, I said, Tim, we have to put our tent right here. I wanted us to get up high because it had been a little rainy, and so we need to be up high. <laughs> we put the tent up, and here comes this Christian group. 
walking on the trail we should have been on. He had like eight kids with him, and he's walking, and I don't know, I may, might, might have had him a pastor shirt on or something, and he goes, the dad or the leader said, you guys look tired. And I was like, the trip was supposed to be eight miles, but I'm telling you, we did double that probably because of the look, twisting and turning, crawling on the ground. I said, this can't be right, right? I mean, um, this Christian group walks by and he goes, he said, well, we're trying to make the backpacking campsite. He said, it's only a quarter of a mile right here. Our tent's already up. He said, all you got to do is follow this trail down like this and up and you're there. I looked at Tim and I said, I'm not doing it. Tent's up. We're good for the night. We were so tired, we brought food with us to cook. We didn't even want food. So we were in the middle of nowhere. And, and he says this. And I like look at Tim. Tim's probably laughing now if he's watching. There's a little park right over here. Like... 300 yards where they parked their car and they took the short route and went. <laughs> Although, Ian, we took it one time, right? Up at Forest Glen. And it didn't take us near the time because I already knew the, I already knew the issue. And see, Tim and I were struggling to see the red dot and follow it. And we get ourselves in trouble when we're not focused on the word of God. We can get off and actually put ourselves in horrible conditions. And so we were kind of smiley there, but it didn't end up smiling. I can, I can tell you that. And you can see it's nice. And we saw deer. I kept looking for Bigfoot. Didn't see it, but um, yeah. So it, it can happen to the best of us. Man, that place is Little Korea. If you ever get a chance to go walk that trail, you need to because it's brutal. And put, put 30 or 40 pounds on your back. That morning we woke up. I looked at Tim. He looked at me and he said, you know, we still have three or four miles to go. <laughs> yep. The goal. The goal. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thou art my hiding place. This is King James Version. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. The goal is not to go backwards. <clears throat> the goal is to go forward, and the goal is to stay focused in the word of God. I hope this video works. It's a good video. I just hope it plays correctly. The way of the world, the familiar, the routine, drifting toward the same ends, 
heading off in the distance, as if there was no other way. But when you meet Christ, you realize there's a different direction, a guide that invites you on a counter-cultural pilgrimage. You find a sweet harmony in conversation, in step with him. You realize the blessing that it is to be near to him. He asks you to drop everything, to follow the path toward him. And while the walk is certainly not without its challenges, you are not left unattended. But it's easy to lose focus. It may not be intentional, but if you're not disciplined to move, the gap can widen and you'll become used to your callousness. He desires to have you close and you remember how pleasing it is. But the affairs of the world can become rather overwhelming. And there are times when you feel trapped, times when you get preoccupied, distracted, pushed, pulled, bogged down. And you realize the instant that you're not actively moving toward him, you're moving away from him. Remember who called you to this journey and run to him. <laughs>